Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at Fifth Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. The scripture reading today is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 12 to 24. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanas and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, Write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Charlene. And uh, good job on all those names. Those are, those are hard names. Um. That's a, that's a common thing, right? You're reading the Bible, you get to all the names, and you just stumble through them. I still do that. Uh, well, uh, welcome here. Uh, my name is Brent, one of the pastors here at the church, and it is my joy to welcome you together into our time where we're going to be looking at the Word of God together. Uh, so as we come to the Word of God, though, we, we do need some help. We need help from the, the Holy Spirit of God to open our eyes and to see the wonderful things that are in His Word. So I want to ask that you'd pray with me as we begin. Yeah, God, we come to you and we come uh, in the confidence of knowing that you have put wonderful things in your word for us this morning. Even in the conclusion to this letter, there is much that is good for us to stir us up to love you, to love one another, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ in this neighborhood of this city, uh, pointing the way forward to life, to true life that can be found in Jesus Christ. So God, I pray, would you use these words uh, of Paul's and uh, my attempt to, to make them plain and, and to, to press them home, to stir us up to be a greater witness in this city for Jesus. We ask that in his name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> today we are in our last sermon in 1 Corinthians. Can you believe it? I heard a sigh. 
the side, a couple of sides around the room. It's been a long time. We've been here for over a year in First Corinthians, and we are now uh, wrapping up today. And then the next eight weeks, we'll be looking at the goodness of Jesus. Uh, just spending time delighting in a couple of the stories that we see, well, eight stories that we see in the gospel narratives of Jesus. And we'll turn to the Proverbs a little later in the summer, and we're going to learn from the Proverbs throughout the summer. And then in the fall, we're going to look at Jonah and then move into a longer series in the book of Exodus. So we're going to be bouncing around a little bit, but it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. And as we come to this last sermon, we have to remember who Paul's writing to. He's writing to the Corinthians, this church in Corinth, this city in the ancient world, which was this bustling hub of economic and cultural uh, realities and, and centeredness in the, in, this, in the empire of Rome. And, and this was a church that we've learned as we've gone through all of uh, these passages of scripture that had a problem. It was a church that was supposed to be bearing witness to a better way of life in Jesus. But it was a church that looked a lot more like Corinth then it looks like Christ. And that was a problem. It affected their witness. And throughout the letter, Paul has been correcting and rebuking, often strongly, and exhorting, and even encouraging as well, these Corinthians to live consistently as who they really are, as followers of Jesus, as those who've been washed with his precious blood, made saints and made holy, become the temple of the Holy Spirit, now beloved of God. Live that out. Live the new identity and the reality that you have consistently in Corinth. And now as we come to the very end of the letter, Paul concludes it by emphasizing those things that are fundamentally important for the Corinthian church if they're going to be a witness to the life that is in Jesus Christ in their own city. The Corinthian church must courageously hold fast to Jesus, imitating his love in serving and refreshing others. The church in Corinth must courageously hold fast to Jesus, imitating his love in serving and refreshing others. So we're going to look at three points this morning. We're going to look at the way that Paul is now leaving this church with this final exhortation and final encouragement of courageous love, of serving love, and of refreshing love. And as you look at this passage, I've one, I've been praying for us this week, but I'm praying for you all now. We've been praying that, I've been praying that, that we would hear these words, not just Paul's words to the Corinthian church, but Paul's words to us. And that we too would, would take them to heart and that we would grow in our own witness in this neighborhood. That we would grow to become and, and use this passage even as uh, this, this rallying point uh, to grow our witness in our own place. So let's look then at the text. After Paul's words about Apollos' travel plans in verse 12, I'm not really sure what was going on with Apollos, so we're going to skip over that. He didn't want to go to Corinth at the time, apparently. That's fine. Uh, he's going to come later. Um, we're going to look at verse 13 then and zero in on what the heart of what Paul wants the Corinthians is. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 to 14 with me and see what, what he tells them there. He says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. See, Paul writes these words and leaves this final exhortation to the Corinthians because he understands that faithfulness 
to Jesus Christ is the greatest apologetic a church can have. Faithfulness to Jesus is the best way to bear witness about who Jesus is. It's the best way to do it of all ways. And Paul knew that the Corinthians were in this particular place that was difficult, that they faced a tremendous an extraordinary even amount of social pressure not to shine out their love for Jesus in their own city. All around them was this pressure every single day. Don't shine forth your love and faithfulness to Jesus, but instead conform to the way of life that's all around you. Just fit in. It's easier. Fit in with us in the way of life that's normal in Corinth. And knowing this, Paul, again at the end of the letter, he exhorts the Corinthians to be courageous in their faithfulness to Jesus. So they would truly be the city on the hill that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 5. The the witness as a community of a different way of existing as human beings in this world. A way that is better, a way that is full of life, full of hope, full of meaning and purpose. They'd shine forth this new life that Jesus had given them for all to see. So Paul calls them to be courageous. And to be courageous, first of all, you have to be awake. Just like you guys in the, no, this morning, this time in the morning, we all have to be awake here at uh, whatever it is o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when we're not awake. But to be courageous, we have to be awake as well. And that's why Paul begins in verse 13. Be watchful. To be watchful is to stay awake. Be watchful. Stay awake. Stand firm in the faith, Paul says. So I'm wondering, uh, show of hands this morning, how many of you have fallen asleep at the wheel before? Two people, three people. Let's be me too. F- okay, five, six, seven, eight. There's a, come on, let's get the honesty going here. Even just a little bit. All right, a couple of us a few times, you know, yeah, falling asleep at the wheel. It happens. It happens. It's not good. Pull over, get a nap. But falling asleep at the wheel is this interesting experience. I remember when I was working in construction, what would happen is I'd be exhausted physically. It'd be the middle of winter. It'd be dark when I'm driving home. And it was just so easy to slowly let my eyelids get heavier and heavier and slowly drift off of the road. <laughs> And wake up when I hit the, the rumble patch on the side. Um, not a good place to be. It's dangerous. Disaster can strike. But Paul says, be watchful here because there is another drift that's more dangerous than falling asleep at the wheel. And the drift that he's warning about is a drift of allowing the pressures of living life in this city. In the city where we live, where the Corinthians lived as well, to to let those pressures draw our attention in our lives away from Jesus. With the result that, that we drift away from the abundant life that is only found in Jesus until suddenly and disaster strikes. Paul says we need to be watchful. And in his life on earth, Jesus himself, he often warned his followers about the danger of living life on autopilot. Just kind of going along and slowly falling asleep. Jesus warned, knowing 
the reality of real life in this world, knowing what we would be facing today, knowing that all of us, we have retirement plans to plan for. We've got places to go and to see. We got things to do. We got kids to shuttle around to all of the innumerable events that they have to go to. We have careers to work on. We have education to pursue. We have lives to live. And it's easy over time to forget that we belong to a kingdom other than the one that we are presently living in. We forget about the king who has saved us. The king who has loved us. The king who will one day return for us. And so Jesus himself in his earthly life said the same thing using the same Greek word that Paul says here to his disciples in Matthew 24, 42. He said, therefore stay awake. The same word is be watchful. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. See, to be witnesses for Jesus we got to stay awake, Christ City. And I'm wondering this morning, how many of us are falling asleep in our Christian walk with Jesus? If we're to be faithful witnesses for Jesus in Vancouver, we must be watchful to stand firm in our faith in Jesus. Because we all drift. You know, just like we're slowly admitting more and more that, that we do fall asleep at the wheel, we can all slowly admit more and more we also fall asleep in our Christian walk. We stop our pursuit of him first. And if we're going to avoid driving off the road in our faith and to be witnesses for Jesus, what we need to do is this. We need to take time to stop. Stop your life. Stop the forward motion that you are, are going down the road in right now and take time to adjust the wheel again. Just evaluate your life and, and put the, the car back on the road of life in Jesus Christ. You can do that. You can do that this week. You can do it this week by just stopping and prayerfully considering how am I living my life right now from the perspective of loyalty to Jesus Christ? How am I doing raising my kids? How, how am I seeking to, to help them to grow up to love Jesus? How, how am I doing right now sharing Jesus with my friends and with my neighbors, with, with showing hospitality to those around me, inviting them into my home, remembering that I am somebody who has these precious words of life to share with others? How am I doing spending my money? How am I doing using the resources that God has given me to, to build up his kingdom, to put him first, or instead to put myself first? How am I doing investing the very few hours, the very few years that God in his mercy and his grace has given me to live with the perspective of eternity, with the perspective that there is a king who is my king, who is coming, who I belong to. So to be a faithful community that is a great witness for Jesus in this city requires watchfulness, requires staying awake, but it also requires courage. And that's why Paul says what he says in verse 13. Again, take a look at it with me. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. We've looked at that. And then these strange words, act like men, be strong. Well, first of all, Christ City, it's important to ask this. Do you know who you belong to this morning? 
If you are a Christian here this morning, you have been purified by the precious blood of Jesus Christ to belong to him. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He said, you are not your own. You don't belong to just anyone. You belong to Jesus. You are not your own, for you were bought with the price. It's the price of the blood of Jesus poured out for you to be forgiven, to be reconciled with God, to have new life. So glorify God, Paul writes, in your body. You belong to Jesus. Praise God. It's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. We are citizens, not of this world. We're citizens of heaven, the Bible teaches. And Jesus is our king then, and he's the one who's given us his law. And, and our job is to be exclusively allegiant or loyal to him, to King Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you've ever tried to change your citizenship, you've encountered something interesting. Most countries, when you change your citizenship, require you to give up your former citizenship. Canada doesn't do that, but other countries do. Requires you to give up your former citizenship so you can belong exclusively to the new country. Because they recognize there's a loyalty problem, isn't there? When you have multiple loyalties at work at one time in this world. And this is where we need courage in our own lives because we live in this world as citizens, not of this world, but of the world to come. We live in this world as an outpost of a future kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that creates a conflict with our world because our world, as we know, doesn't always recognize Jesus as the king. It doesn't always understand implicitly what it means for us to, to be loyal to Jesus. They don't understand always and easily why we live the way that we do as followers of him. And that's why Paul writes in verse 13, you need courage to be a faithful witness for Jesus, who you belong to. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And act like men is this interesting Greek word. It's just one Greek word, and it means to be courageous. It means to be courageous. And it's used three times, actually, in the Greek Old Testament of the Bible in a book called Joshua. So it's the first part of the Bible, one of the early books called Joshua. It's a Greek translation of what was originally written in Hebrew. And this same word is used three times there. And it's used to translate a Hebrew word that meant to be courageous. And I think Paul uses that word here on purpose because he has Joshua chapter 1 in mind when he's thinking about the Corinthians. And in Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to Joshua who would lead his people, who had recently been rescued from slavery in Egypt, to lead them into the promised land. And God knew where they were headed. He knew that they were headed to a land where they would be surrounded by people who did not follow God. Surrounded by people who had a different view of what the good life was, of, of how to live life and find flourishing and to have things go well. And he knew it would be difficult for them. And he knew the human heart. He knew how tempting it would be for those Hebrew peoples to just want to fit in with their neighbors. He knew how much they would long to just look like the people around them rather than being faithful to the God who'd saved them. 
See, I think Paul uses that word act like men in Greek in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, because he thinks of the Corinthians, as he thinks of them, he has this passage in mind. He's thinking of Joshua 1, because he knows the Corinthians' struggles are the same as the struggles of the people of Israel back in Joshua, which are the same, by the way, Christ City, with our struggles today in this city. For that reason, I want to read Joshua 1, uh, verses 7 through 9 to you. But I want you to hear them, not just as words that are ancient for this ancient people of God, but words that are for us. And there we read, the word of God says, God speaking to Joshua and also to us, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. See, the law is supposed to be good. It's a law that was given that brings life. The promise is always faithfulness to God's law is a law that will bring life to you. A law that will bless you and cause you to flourish. You'll have good success wherever you go. And he goes on, how is that going to happen? How can we do this and be faithful? Well, this book of the law in verse 8 shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, when the, the law actually does its work and it blesses you and you have good success, you need to remember it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God, Christ City, is with you wherever you go. When your neighbor's Don't understand why you follow Jesus the way that you do. Be strong and courageous. The most loving thing you can do for your neighbors is to be faithful to point the way to life that's in Jesus. Be strong and courageous. Or in Paul's words, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. You know what this city doesn't need here in Vancouver? This city does not need you to fit in with them. This city needs you to be courageously different as witnesses for a better way of life that's found in Jesus. Again, the most loving thing you can do for your neighbors, for your friends, for your family who don't yet know Jesus is for yourself to be faithful to Jesus. You know, faithfulness as a church, I think is a little bit like an old cathedral, a couple hundred years old, a little bit out of place, gray and weather-worn in the place that it's been. Have you guys traveled? Have you seen cathedrals? Anyone? A few people have seen cathedrals. Really interesting buildings. They do look out of place, though, in those modern cities they're in, don't they? They don't quite fit in the same way that they used to. But if you've been inside one on a sunny day, they're glorious. 
as you walk through the doors of that cathedral and you enter in and the, the sunlight is pouring through the stained glass windows and the light is just all over the floor, filling the place up. It is beautiful. Maybe there's a choir or, or some music going on and the vaulted ceilings that were created to uh, give good acoustics are just full of this beautiful sound. And you think, oh, <laughs> this is what it was built for. I see the beauty of this place. See, like that cathedral, the church of Jesus is a different kind of thing in the midst of this city. But when you enter into it, what's supposed to happen is that that you enter in and you see the gloriously beautiful life that is here. You see the glorious beauty of the bride of Christ. You taste and you see that there's a better way of life to be had as followers of Jesus. The problem is that if we try to, to blend into the world around us, it's kind of like we take that cathedral and we start to, to, to push out the stained glass windows and replace them with just average windows. And we take the vaults and we, we lower them down. We want to fit in. We want to modernize a bit. And, and as we modernize, we lose the glory and the beauty of what that cathedral is meant to represent. And we no longer hold forth this beautiful way of life that God has called us to. See, Christ City, the ancient city of Corinth, it didn't need the Christian church to blend in with them in their pride, in their divisions, in their status-seeking, in their conflicts, in their immorality, all the things that Paul addressed in the letter. What Corinth needed was a church that was unapologetically and courageously faithful to Jesus. Corinth needed a brilliant witness that shone for everyone to see that there is life to be found in Jesus. And Vancouver needs the same thing. So when I ask you this morning, uh, where is it that, that you need courage to be faithful to Jesus? And I want to remind you at the same time, Jesus is with you right now. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit. He's living and empowered you to live like him. Be strong. Be courageous. Hold forth life that is truly life. And yet we all know there are few things that are more revolting than someone who declares truths in the abstract who gets combative and speaks true things, but who doesn't love you. Maybe you've experienced that before. Had someone who just wants to take a stand on some truth for truth's sake. And they kind of come at you and you know they don't care about you. It's kind of gross. Well, the good news is that that's not at all what Paul has in mind in this passage. Because Paul writes in verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Be strong and courageous, hold fast to Jesus, and let every single act that you do in your life be one that is bathed in, drenched in the love of Jesus. See, Paul wants us to be people who genuinely strive for the good of those around us because we love them. We love them. Because that's what Jesus did for us. 
He didn't come into this world just plopping down the law of God. Here's how you live the good life. See you later. He came into this world in love for us, laying down his life for us because he had compassion and mercy on us in the mess and the brokenness of our lives. Let everything that you do be done in love. A love that Paul himself defined earlier in the letter in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Let's read it again together now. Love, if you don't know, this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's nothing more positive and hopeful than the love of Jesus. Just isn't anything else like it. God's desire for us is not that we become a, a, a minority people who are faithful to Jesus and kind of on our heels and defensive. That's not what he wants for us. He wants us to be a people enriched by the life of Jesus, full of his love, who in hope and joy lean into the lives of others, pour out our lives for others, never giving up, never stopping to believe in the promises of God for them. Always believing the best. Striving that they would come to know the same love that we've come to know in Jesus ourselves. So Christ City, I want to ask this morning, what are you trying to do for Jesus that isn't full of the love of Jesus? What is it right now in your life that you're trying to do for Jesus, but it's not bathed in and, and full of first receiving God's love for you, but then as it fills your heart, overflowing in your love for others? The bottom line here in this first point is that God's word is tremendously good, and we need to stand strong in it and do everything in love. That's the first thing the Corinthians need to be a faithful witness in Corinth. But there's a second thing. They also need to imitate Jesus' servant-hearted love. Look at verses 15 to 16. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first conference in Achaia and that they devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. So notice what Paul is doing here. It's a bit of an unusual passage, but there's something in it for us. What Paul is doing is he's praising what he wants to flourish in the life of the Corinthian church. And what he's doing to praise what he wants to flourish is pointing out the kind of people who are actually worthy of positions of authority. The kind of people that are worth submitting to in your life and following in your life. You have to remember, these are not the kind of people the Corinthians would normally and naturally have esteemed and venerated and followed. Because you have to remember, this is a church that gave authority all the time to the wrong sort of people. They were a church that loved the powerful. Those who looked big. Those who took the hill and lived domineeringly over 
others and had this influence that they exerted in the community. And those are the people that they would naturally have seen and then fawned over and followed in their lives. But what happens, what happens when you build a community or when you as a community esteem and want to follow, want to submit to that sort of power? Is it good for the community? It's bad for the community. What happens is this, rather than the community being built up in love where every member is honored and cherished, the community instead is filled with competition and division. And the strong, they dominate the weak because they can and they get ahead. And the weak then, they resent the strong. They're bitter and angry towards those that are strong and have oppressed them and, and made headway uh, at their cost, at their loss. And so Paul, what he does in these verses at the end of his letters, he inverts the whole system and he says, don't submit to those kinds of people. Let me show you someone else that you should honor and submit to in the community. And he instructs them based on all that Jesus has taught us, who though he was God, became a servant to die for the undeserving. And he says, look at verses 15 to 16. They have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Devoted themselves to the service of the saints. So be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. And the saints here don't mean some group of super religious or holy people. Saints is Paul's way of referring to Christians, period. It's his way of just talking about those who follow Jesus. And Paul's saying, be subject to or give authority in your life to the sorts of people who are characterized by laying their lives down in service for the good of others. Isn't that interesting? Chris City, I'm wondering this morning, who are the people you give authority to in your life? Who are the people that you naturally submit to? We all do it. We all kind of find those people and we let them have a voice in our lives. But, but who are those people in your life? Are you drawn to the healthy and the strong and the beautiful, the wealthy, those who have a large following, those who have influence? Notice that Paul doesn't exalt the powerful, but the humble servant. I want to encourage you to become people who seek out the person who devotes themselves to service. Find those people. Learn from those people. See, those are the sort of people that I guarantee are going to have far more of the life of Jesus in them than those that you would naturally be attracted to as powerful people. And when we live as a community that devotes ourselves to service, that honors those that, that serve, what's going to happen is that our community will be built up in love. And every member, the weak and the strong and all in between, will be built up together in love for the glory of Jesus. Seek out the servants. Honor them. Learn from them. As their lives reflect Jesus who came not to be served, but to give his life as a servant. And the good news is that if we as a community model our lives on those who serve like Jesus, this church will become a place of healing and refreshment in our city. 
It'll become a place that is incredibly countercultural and full of life, full of rest for weary souls, finding hope and joy in Jesus. All right, for the church to be a witness of Jesus in the city, it must be courageous and faithfulness to him. It must imitate his servant love. And our third point now, it must imitate Jesus' refreshing love. Look at verses 17 to 18. Paul continues, he says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. And again, this is a group of people that the Corinthians wouldn't naturally have given recognition to. Naturally, I think like us, just like us today, they would have given recognition and honor to those that had status, worldly success, who were famous. And they were a church of people that were always trying to keep up with the lives of the famous and to attach the wagon to, that they had of their lives to their rising stars to try to get somewhere and get ahead. That's the kind of church it was. But again, a community that gives honor to the famous just creates a culture that's full of anxiety where we compare ourselves constantly and try to climb to the top and we are full of anxiety and heartbreak and, and shame even when we're passed over by others or when we don't quite get into the limelight that we were hoping to. It produces a broken community. But if we are to be a community that is life-giving as followers of Jesus, we must give recognition to the people who live like Jesus. And how did Jesus live? He came as a fountain of living water to dry and dusty souls. He came to refresh us with his life. And if we live like Jesus, imitating his same refreshing love, then we'll become a community where all that competition all that striving and anxiety to attain fame and to live for status, where all of that and the terrible outcomes that come from it pass away and instead we're a community that's refreshing, that's whole, that's life-giving. So Paul urges, give recognition not to the famous person who has influence, but those who in verse 18 refreshed my spirit as well as yours. See, life is hard. And we all need encouragement. There's been so many times in my life where I've met with, with you, many of you in this congregation, in moments where I had great need, and I've left those meetings so refreshed. I've left those meetings with you with, with tears in my eyes and, and joy in my heart because you've laid hands on me. You've prayed for me. You've opened up the Bible and you've shared scriptures with me that both encouraged me and that I needed to hear to, to remind me of God's love for me, but also you've shared scriptures that have challenged me and that I also needed to hear. You've been people who have embraced me with a warm hug when I needed it, showing me that, that you love me as God also loves me. You've talked with me long into the evening about love for Jesus, about how good he is, celebrating how wonderful it is to be followers of Jesus and what great joy there is in him. And that in that conversation has slowly churned my heart from a place of, of bitterness and complaint about my life to a place of thanksgiving and great joy. 
You've refreshed me. You've blessed me. See, Christ City, there is a deeper and a better friendship available here in this church because of Jesus than you can find anywhere else. A friendship that's not just based about going and having a good time together, but a friendship that's based about together leading one another to Jesus, who is the fountain of living waters. To find satisfaction and refreshment for our souls. So I'm wondering, has anybody here in this church refreshed you? Have you been open to being refreshed by those that are here? I want to encourage you to give recognition to the people around you who refresh you in Jesus. Those are the people that are worthy of honor here in this community because they lead you to Christ. Imitate them. Strive to become like them by growing in your own walk with Jesus, by loving his word, coming to know it and understand it better so you can share it like they shared it with you, so you can share it then with somebody else and continue the the pattern and that chain of refreshment and blessing that's in this community. You know what's going to happen the more that we are filled up as a community with people who refresh one another in Jesus? We're going to grow in our witness. We're going to grow in our evangelism as we all rejoice together. I know where life can be found. It's in Jesus. I'm so sure of it. I'm encouraging it constantly and blessed up and refreshed in it. Let me share him with you. Christ City, God's desire is that we would become a church that pours out living water for dry and dusty souls that are so thirsty for life. Finally, look at Paul's closing words with me in verses 19 and 24. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the first thing I want to say here is we're just going to start kissing each other a lot more. All right, holy kisses all the time. You know, the Bible says it. Just kidding. We don't do that. It's not appropriate in our culture. Uh, But we do greet one another warmly. So a a thing that's characteristic, I think, of Christ City Church in Kitsilano is warm greetings. Let's keep that up. That's what Paul is calling us to. It's a way that we show love to one another. But as we, we draw this all to an end, I just want you to notice one thing from this passage. Notice the boundary that Paul draws in verse 22. He draws a line. And he says, if anyone has no love for the Lord... Let him be accursed. Let him be on the outside. And what he's saying there is he's not talking about people who don't have love for Jesus in general. He's talking about the church. He's saying, you as a church, if if there are people in the church who don't love Jesus, they don't belong in the church. Because Christ said, do you know who the church is? We are those who have been loved by Jesus and who love Jesus. That's kind of the bottom line. We are those who love Jesus Christ. 
And every community that lasts and bears fruit in this world that has clear, distinct boundary markers. The boundary marker that Paul draws at the end of the letter is simply this, love for Jesus. The reason he draws that line is because he knows without the love of Jesus, without love for Jesus, we cannot love like he's been exhorting us to love. Unless we're filled up first with the love of God and love him in return, we won't be able to live courageous love and servant-hearted love and refreshing love towards others. But as we grow in knowing the love of Jesus, delighting in the love of Jesus for us, we will become a brilliant witness for Jesus in this city. We will be courageously faithful to him. We will serve gladly and joyfully to the benefit of others. And we will refresh others as we share his love and his life. Would you pray with me now? God, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would cause us to know more of your love. Lord, we are all thirsty. Lord, we we live life and we long for true life. We long to be filled, to be satisfied. God, would you show us that the satisfaction that we long for is found in Jesus. Lord, that we would drink deeply from the living waters that that he has given us. Lord, that we would start to see your word not as a strange and ancient document written long ago with no meaning for us today, but instead words of life. Words of life everlasting that can enrich us and cause us to live powerful, great, wonderful lives that are a witness to this world that there is a better way. God, would you make us faithful witnesses who love our neighbors. Lord, who lay down our lives in service and love for them that they would come to know Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.